stand up with us this morning.
things that y'all want me to do, yeah, that was, it was like a really weird time, but they said it's the only time that you guys listen. So... <laughs> shop for the 
Operation Christmas. We have over 400 boxes that need to be sealed. Your family can take multiple boxes, and um, we're going to shop for those this afternoon, come back to the church, have a packing party, separate all the little items that go into the boxes, and then we will get those ready to ship. They have to be turned in by next Sunday. If you can't be here tonight and would still like to get a box to take and shop throughout the week and bring it back by next Sunday, um, we will be out in the back with some boxes and the information for those that you can take. We are going to meet tonight at 5.30 and go shop. You can take a group of ladies, some dudes can go shop together. We'll come back and... You guys make sure to show up to help them. That way, the four people who do show up now have to wrap 100 boxes apiece.
this song right here is called Jaira. And if you don't know what that word means, the word Jaira is the name for, uh, for God who means provider. And if you don't know this, and hopefully we already know this, but Jesus gave his life to provide a sacrifice for you and me. If you put your faith and trust in him, uh, then he provides uh, eternity with him. We're so thankful that God is everything that we need. And we can put all of our faith in him and, and fully trust him. Amen.
that your grace and your mercy is uh, so much more uh, than the sin uh, that is in our lives, God, but that you want to take your grace and uh, you want to motivate us to follow you and, and, um, and offer up our lives as a living sacrifice to you, God. I pray that we are drawn to that this morning by the way that you love us. God, we're so thankful for what you did for us on the cross that we could be saved and set free from a life of sin. God, I pray that this morning we have humble and moldable hearts. God, that what you say we will do, God, we'll be more than hearers of the word, but we'll be doers. God, I'm so thankful for every person that is here this morning. Uh, I pray that we would all be here with open ears to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, wow. Ages third through fifth grade, young cut loose. If you have your Bible, open to Matthew four, uh, 26, Matthew 26. <clears throat> Matthew 26. <clears throat> Y'all bear with me this morning, Jake. Passed on whatever he had. Nah, I don't know if it's Jake or not. Every, I got one. I'll probably spit it out if I could put it in my mouth. Thank you, though. <clears throat> Matthew 26. Hmm? It's hot, boy. I'm hot. All right. A couple of things before I get started. Um. I actually, you know, I don't re-preach messages or save messages or <clears throat> any of that. That way I'm always trying to study and stay fresh and stuff for me and hopefully stuff for you. But um, this 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 message this morning, not, not I, I hate to use the word sermon, but not necessarily the sermon, but the text and, um, and the message of it, probably one of the most life-changing messages. Um, studies I've ever done when I was honest with myself <clears throat> uh, and uh, and the reality of it uh, once it penetrated my heart radically uh, changed my thoughts towards the Lord and my walk with the Lord and uh, I actually preached out of this kind of in the same way that I think it was the first uh, first time I preached here close to 20 years ago at a revival and um Anyhow, I've really uh, had a whole lot of <laughs> a whole lot of stuff going on this last week spiritually, and really battling and wrestling and and all that kind of stuff. And and I had another message together <clears throat> out of book out of the book of Malachi this morning. 
And I was kind of sharing that, bouncing it off my wife last night, and it just never rest, registered with me. If you've never taught or preached, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. If you have, you do. And anyhow, you know, I don't like to just put a message together. Anybody can put a sermon together and get up here and share some points with you. Um, so I got up early this morning and started studying again, and I ended up just going through this, and, and the Lord brought me back to this. Because it's exactly uh, what I needed for where I'm at. So I really hope that you listen this morning. And pay attention and consider uh, whatever it is God speaks to you. So looking at Matthew 26, let's start off in verse 47. And you know know, this is where uh, Jesus was fixing to be put on trial. He's in the garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, 11 of them. And um, that night, uh, after he had prayed, uh, he comes back, and all of a sudden, in verse 47, it says, While he was speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? And they came and they laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. So I'm going to stop right there for a second. I don't title my message, but this morning I just, if I was going to title it, I called it Four Men and a Cross. You know, you look at this group of people, this multitude, that is coming with the swords and the clubs, and <clears throat> Jesus was always followed by multitudes, but this is this has come to a point where this multitude is, uh, they're basically coming to snuff out Jesus and anybody who's with him. Uh, the reason why they're doing that is because Jesus didn't go with the program. Uh, this was a religious group of, of uh, Jews sent by the high priests and, and the Pharisees and, and all them that sent them to do their dirty work, but Jesus didn't go with the program. And here's the thing. This group, you say, why would anybody <coughs> come after Jesus with swords and clubs? You know, he'd never shown any violence or, or anything like that. And the reason why is because they were so offended at the truth that he spoke, and he spoke it publicly. Now, if you want application, the Bible is so relevant. When you look at our day, there's a multitude gathering of people who are so offended when you stand up and speak the truth in love. You can speak the truth. We are to speak the truth in love. And there are things in the Bible, in our culture, to where they go, I don't care how you speak it, you don't say those things. There's a lot of pastors who bow to that political demand of, you don't say certain things. Here's where I'm at. I'm going to say whatever the Bible says. And, and, and when, you, when you do that, you're going to offend a lot of people. And here's the thing. Jesus drew a line in the sand. He is that line. The cross of Jesus Christ is the line in the sand. And here's the thing. That line has never moved and it will never move. Truth is truth throughout the ages. <clears throat> and you have to decide where you are in relation to it. Because as time goes on, it's going to become more and more difficult for you to choose where you stand in relation to the cross of Jesus Christ. 
Not in relation to religion, churchy stuff. The world will let us have church. It'll let you have your religion. You know, the world's full of all kinds of religions, and they don't say a whole lot. But when it comes to the point to where you stand and say the absolute and only truth is the word of God, it's the only inspired word that there is, it's the only way, Jesus is one way, one truth, the only way to heaven, and what God calls sin is sin. He called it sin back when Adam did it, and he calls it sin today, and it doesn't change. And when you start standing in that way, it's going to get a whole lot more difficult, a whole lot more difficult. <coughs> and so, um, I want to look at four different men and their relationship to the cross, this morning, starting off with Judas, okay? You fit in one of these four. And what I want you to do this morning is just to be honest with yourself. Okay, just be honest with yourself. Understand, I'm not trying to bring you to a place where at the end of service, you come up front. If you want to come up front and pray, it's great. Okay? That's not my motive. My motive is I hope that you hear the voice of the Lord this morning speaking to you just if you're here, let me just say this. If you're here and you're just here to be here and you don't want to be here, get them go. Get them go because it's stupid for you to be here. You came because obviously you're either seeking some kind of truth. You want to know where you are with the Lord. You're here to honor the Lord, okay, and, and, and hear from the Lord. And so open your heart up to the Lord this morning. If you need to pray right now, open your heart up to the Lord and go, God, I want you to show me which one of these men. That I am. When you look at, um, y'all forgive me, I'm going to struggle with this. Okay, look at back in uh, verse 48. Notice it says, now his betrayer had given them a sign, whomever I kiss. This is the one sees him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Notice Jesus' response. He said, friend. Why have you come? You know, Judas was one of the 12. He was a preacher. He was actively involved in everything the other ones were doing. He looked just like the other 11. He walked with Jesus. He saw the miracles. He was the treasurer of the church. This is not geared towards Brother Terry. But he was the one who... But here's the thing. When you look at Judas, you see something different because he was always in it for what he could get out of it. Judas was only there for how he could benefit. And when all of a sudden he sees that Jesus is fixing to be arrested, he knew the tides had turned. Jesus was no longer popular. He was no longer, they didn't see him as the the king who was fixing to deliver Israel. And he was not going to benefit from this in any way. He was fixing to cut his ties and go on about his business. And so he betrays Jesus. And I want you to notice this. I'm so sorry, I'm coughing. Notice this, how it says, he kissed him. You know, Jesus, you remember in John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the door. I am the door to heaven. He was the only door. Think about this. Judas listened to God preach. Watched God raise people from the dead. Heal lepers. Heal the lame. Heal the blind. He's seen every bit of that. He kissed the door to heaven. And Judas is in hell. That close. When you look at church today, that's a scary thought. 
So why you hear me preach on it so much? Not that I want you to cause doubt, but I want you to have confidence. And then Jesus says to him and said, you know, friend, why have you came? Well, he came for 30 pieces of silver. And so I would ask you this morning, you know, maybe you're here and you're like Judas. You've been to church your whole life. You know all the lingo. You've walked the aisle. You said the sinner's prayer. You did all that. Maybe you're a church hopper. You go from one to another until you get offended. What's the best benefit for you? What do you get out of it? And then when you don't get nothing out of it anymore, you jump to a different one. You understand what I'm saying? Well, I'm a deacon. I'm a pastor. I'm a this and I'm a that. You know, I heard people say before, I've been at that church 400 years. My mom and dad raised me in that church. We started that church, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. And neither does God. And the question is, I would ask you the same thing. Friend, why have you come? Why have you come today? What caused you to wake up this morning and go, I don't just want to go to church. I want to be around God's people. I want to worship the Lord. I want to give him praise. I want to honor Jesus with all my heart, not just today, but every day. Or was it just, because eh, I, I used to be Judas. Sunday, need to go to church, get him go. Hope he hurries up. Go watch the game, have some fun, live life, feel guilty. Go back next Sunday. Oh, you stepped on my feet. Kissed the door to heaven, and if I'd have died before I was 19, I'd bust the hell wide open. Judas Iscariot. You know, here's the thing. God's opportunity at that point was withdrawn. And that all there was left for Judas was hell to pay. And here's the thing. 30 pieces didn't cover it. So you've got to ask yourself, if you're here this morning, you're like, you know what, maybe I'm like Judas. All I've got is a position. All I've got is a show. And everybody's convinced that I am what I'm not. Is your is what you've got going on going to cover the debt? Because the bill's coming due. And your religion and your show and your hypocrisy and everything that you're holding on to instead of turning to Jesus, understood, understand this. At the end of the day, Judas was hanging from a tree. At the end of the same day, Jesus was hanging on the tree for Judas. But he refused that. He was that stinking close. And I think there's going to be so many people who get that close. You got to ask yourself the question, is the sin that I'm loving and I'm fooling everybody else and they don't know what I've got going on in my two-part life, is that going to cover the bill? Because the bill's coming due. The second person you see is Peter. Look in Luke chapter 22. You know, I'm not a Judas anymore, but I could relate to Peter a whole lot. Peter was Jesus' best friend. He was walking with Jesus. He did, I mean, Peter, think about this. Peter walked on water. We always want to point out that he sank. He got out of the boat, walked on the water. I don't know how far he walked. Could have walked 200 yards. We don't know. But he walked on water. He, went to, he was the only one went to Jesus that night in that boat. He saw Jesus do amazing things. Same thing, okay? And Jesus, uh, Peter was absolutely a believer, okay? He was very different from Judas. <clears throat> but here's the thing, Luke twenty two fifty four. Let me find my place. And I am going slow because I want you to listen to this this morning. 
2254 says, having arrested him, this is a different account of Jesus' arrest. Having arrested him, they led him and they brought him to the high priest's house. Notice what it says here. Peter followed at a distance. Now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard, sat down together, Peter sat among them. Okay, so here's what you got. Jesus was arrested. He took it to, they took him into the, to the priest's, high priest's house. Remember, John was the disciple who always went. Everywhere Jesus went during this whole time, John was there. Now, Peter, John led him in. He comes in. There would have been the courtyard, okay? And in the courtyard, all the people were gathered up, all the ones who were accusing Jesus, all the ones who were a part of this false trial that was taking place. And the thing is, and we'll see in a minute, Jesus, he wasn't off in a different room. He was out there probably on his knees with his hands tied behind his back, already beat to a bloody mess. You'll remember that Back in Matthew, you can look, it said they started hitting him with the palm of their hand, mocking him, spit-covered face. And they tied a blindfold on him, and they popped him. And they were like, prophesy now, prophet. Who is it that just hit you? You know, it wasn't like they were going, I just don't want to hurt him. They was, they was trying to make a point. And so Jesus was already beat to a bloody pulp, and he was tied up and sitting over to the side. But he was in view of Peter. He could hear him, he could see him, and Peter could see Jesus. So here's what you've got. You've got Peter who was a comfortable, convenient follower. He kept his distance. He weighed out his options. And here's the thing. (laughs) Peter couldn't make up his mind which crowd he was going to identify with. Oh, he was all about identifying with the king. But now he has to decide, is he going to identify with the cross? And so he keeps his distance. And it says that the people who were there, the ones who were who were arresting and accusing and slapping and spitting, they were there. And it says they kindled a fire. And what happens? He sat among them. You know, here's the thing. He was keeping Jesus in sight. But he was over here sitting among this group. And I thought, what was going on around that fire? Probably the same thing goes around fires today. A bunch of cursing, drinking, giving their opinions, blasphemy, mocking. And the whole time, Peter's just sitting there looking, looking just like one of them. And I imagine in his heart, he was like, but you know what? I, I do believe in the Lord. Oh, yeah, I love the, I, I know where I'm at. And I'm, I'm, I'm being a witness here. I'm not saying anything. I'm just letting my light shine just by sitting here among this group of people. You know, I'm not drinking. I'm not cursing yet. And I, and I see the Lord. I'm keeping him aside. And there's a lot of people who fit this bill. We want to, oh, we want to keep Jesus in sight. And when it's good, we walk close. Oh, it's good. On church on Sunday, we're raising hands, and that's great. I'm not, if you raise your hands, it's great. We're clapping. We're praising. We're singing. We're praying. We're preaching. We're doing all that. Why? Because on Sunday, he's the king. But what about on Monday through Saturday, when the world's kindling a fire at your work? A lot of people just go, I'm going to keep him in sight. I'm going to keep, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be one of those freaks. You know, how crazy would it be for me to go over, stand there with Jesus instead of sitting here with these people? That would make me so uncomfortable. I don't know what I would say. And if I go over here and identify with Jesus in this place where the cross is, I'm probably going to get the same thing that he's getting. So what I'm going to do is, you know, I'm good. The Lord knows my heart. 
This is between me and him. He knows my, he knows I'm sitting here praying for him. Can you hear that? Peter was just like us. Man, I'm preaching to me. I'm not preaching to you. And so when it was not a popular place to stand, he just sat down among them. The world's not a popular place to stand, especially on the cross. And so a lot of times what we do is we just sit down among them. And then you'll see, all of a sudden, here's the problem if you're one of those believers. If you're like, well, I don't fit in real good with Jesus freaks. People who like really like read the Bible and speak that stuff and good Lord there out in public actually praising the Lord for, you know, the silliest things. And they actually, you know, you see them in Walmart and they say the name of Jesus, just so uncomfortable. And I know it offends people. So, so I don't do that. I just, I just witness without saying anything. Really? But here's the problem. You can't fit in. If you're a true believer, you got to decide where you're at with the cross because you can't fit in with the world anymore and stay there. If you can, you're not a believer to start with. So Peter's sitting here hanging in the balances going, I can't fit in here. Because all of a sudden you see a little girl says, no, wait a second. I've seen you with him. And he's like, no, 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 you didn't. You didn't see me. A little bit later, you read it for a little bit later, somebody else. It's been an hour now. He said he didn't sit there for a few minutes. He got real comfortable with them. And then all of a sudden, a little while later, somebody comes along and says, no, wait a second. He's one of them. I, he was with them, you know. Basically, I, I seen you when Jesus was popular. I seen you with the church. I seen you with those freaks. Peter's like, no, man, you don't know what you're talking about. You know what you're talking about? A different person. You're confused. And finally, a little while later, I want you to see what it says. Verse 58, after a while, another saw him and said, you're also one of them. Notice the, the line. You're either one of them or you're one of the world. You're one of us or you're one of them. And Peter said, man, I'm not. Verse 59. <clears throat> then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed saying, surely this fellow also was with him for he's a Galilean. He's saying your speech is a witness that you're even, you're one of them. All you Galileans is following him. And notice he was going to, he was going to overly convince him about his speech said, Peter said, man, I do not know. What you're saying and immediately. Now, now listen to me. If you look in another, in one of the other back in Matthew, it says, and he began to curse and swear. He's like, he's been sitting around that stuff so much. All of a sudden he started talking like them. He's like, let me prove to you that I'm not a follower of Jesus. And he began to curse and swear. And actually the wording in the Greek when it talks about cursing, it means he took a curse upon himself to basically go, I would rather be cursed and identify with him. Ain't it amazing when we identify with the world how low a believer can be carried? And so all of a sudden, he's saying all this stuff. And here's the part that just gutted me. It says immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. So what was the rooster crowed? If you don't know, earlier Jesus said, you know, Peter said, Lord, on a Sunday morning. Lord, I'll never deny you. I would, I would, rather, I would rather die. I'm ready to go to prison for you, Jesus. And the Lord said, before the, roast, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Okay? That's one of the things he said. It says, <clears throat> the rooster crowed. And notice what it says. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine all the things that Jesus had done for him? All the things that he had shown him? 
all the truth he had shared, the time that he had with the Lord. If you haven't, watched him, if you haven't been watching that series, The Chosen, it's a really good series. kind of opens a lot of stuff up. But, but sitting there, just imagine. I can't imagine for three years and how close Peter was to the Lord. And all of a sudden, in this time, Peter just curses him and denies him. He's a, he would rather identify with the wicked than identify with the cross. When the rooster crowed, man, I don't... Imagine Peter looking at Jesus and Jesus looking up at him. Now, here's what I, I told him this morning. I said, I don't think Jesus is looking with his brows bent. Go and see, I told you. Because you'll notice what it says right after that. It says, Jesus looked at him and Peter remembered the word how he had said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And you notice it says, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. But here's the thing that, that I want you to get more than anything else. The Lord just didn't say, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. He also remembered the other words that Jesus spoke. When he heard the rooster crow, he remembered that. But he also remembered that Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. That your faith does not fail and when you turn back to me, strengthen the brethren. You see, law doesn't change us. I can stand up here and harp on you all day long and harp on me about how sorry we are and how sinful we are and how much we fall and how much we fail and how many times in my wretched life I've heard the rooster crow. And it's never going to change me and cause me to do anything for a continual period of time. But I'll tell you what causes me is when I hear those other words. It's when I go, God, I'm such a failure. I've fallen so many times. You know, I was driving down the driveway this week, and Jeremy's got a, a tripod, a three-legged dog. <coughs> and uh, I was driving down the driveway, and his front leg is gone. I had to cut it off because of something, I don't know, probably neglect. No. <sighs> but he's got a, a regular dog. And so I'm driving down the driveway, and the regular dog comes running across the yard. And I look at old tripod, and, and that dog, is that a female or a male? Female, female. She's running across there, and all of a sudden she just, and she falls, ooh. And, she, and, and if, eventually she rolled over, but she kept getting up, her tongue was hanging out. And I thought, God, I'm so much like that dog. You know, Jesus is in front of me going, I'm like, fall, 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 roll, fall. But I, I just want to get up with my tongue hanging out going, I'm coming. But I do, I fall so much. And man, you know, here's the thing. I know the devil was there that night because he's always by me. When I fall, when I deny the Lord, when I hear the rooster crow. You know, here's the thing. You got to be careful because the devil, when you get in that place, the devil always wants to magnify the rooster. He always wants to go, see, you failed again. See, you willingly chose. It wasn't just a fall. You dove in, you moron. You denied the Lord publicly. You're identifying with the world. You're sitting with him. You look just like you had an opportunity right here to seize the moment to make a stand with the Lord, but you were sitting among the world. Do you hear that? And that's all I hear. All I hear is the devil going, man, you need to quit. You walk away. Go find you a tree and hang yourself. There's room by Judas. But then you got to remember what the Lord says. because He said, but you know what? I've prayed for you. That your faith does not fail and win, not if, but when you turn back, strengthen the brethren. And so, then you look in John chapter 19. Look there real quick. <coughs> I've identified with both of those men. 
Judas and Peter. But I'll tell you something. I had one night. I've shared this with Willie a bunch. Probably one of the most life-changing moments of my life. If it makes sense to you, even more so than my salvation. I'm a, I, I, you know, I know a lot of us struggle with grace. Basically, if you're an analytical person, you struggle with grace a lot. We're driven by the law. And we always want to perform and we always fall and we always fail. And receiving God's grace for me is a very difficult thing. Because I, I look at myself, I know myself, and I go, I'm so wicked. I am so hypocritical. I'm all of the things that God hates. You know, and I'm always struggling with that. And I still struggle with that. I remember one night I was reading this text. Man, it was like... Like, come on, read a thousand times and just a, it was the Lord. We was living up in Mount Alba on the mountain. If there's a mountain there. <clears throat> and then way up on the mountain. Anyhow, I was, I was reading this and the truth of this right here so registered with me. I just, I was overwhelmed. I went outside. I remember I got down on my face in the field with my nose in the dirt. I just wept before the Lord, thanking him. It was a good weeping. And so maybe this will register with you. In verse 25, uh, chapter 19, or verse 23. Let me get my eyes clear. So sorry. It says, uh, then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and made four parts. <coughs> to each soldier a part, also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from top in one piece. And they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them for my clothing. They cast lots. Therefore, the soldier did these things. Now, please watch this right here. Verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mama. His mother's sister, so his aunt. Mary, the wife of Clopas, Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother, notice what it says. He said, notice the wording here. It's talking about John. And the disciple whom he loved standing by. He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. He was, he was, he was, he was talking about John. And then he said to his disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her and went home. Now, so you got Judas, who didn't want nothing to do with the cross. You got Peter, who was denying it. He didn't want to identify it. But then you've got John there. And the whole time, wherever Jesus went, John went. And he was there. But I do want to point out something. There was four women there who had more spiritual courage and devotion than all the other men. You want to know what's wrong with the church in America today? Because we've got more women that's got more spiritual courage than most spineless men do. Now, I'm probably going to hack some men off, and that's why we bought 10 acres out back. But here's where I'm at. I got men who'll stand with me. But here's where I'm at. I'm like, it's a shameful thing when you've got the nine others. You know, Peter was gone, Judas is gone, John's here, that leaves nine disciples. I want to go, where were you at? I'm hiding in the crowd somewhere. 
we're out doing our thing. A lot of us like Judas, he's concerned about the money. Let the wife take the kids to the church. Let them take them to the cross. I got things to do. I don't, I don't have time for this. I'm working today. I've got a million to make. You know, I'm not into that whole humility thing, that whole crying stuff, that whole, that whole Jesus stuff. And I want to say this. If you don't lead your family, if you're not the one who is the most influential, godly person in your family as a father, as a husband, you are weak. And you need to wake up. Because if you're not leading your family to Jesus, you're leading them straight to a devil's hell. And that's a reality. And it's time for the men in our country to be men. It's time for parents, if you have sons, raise men. Not some soft-handed, looking at the phone all the time, gutless coward who's following in the past of his daddy, who won't stand for the gospel for nothing. I just lost some of y'all, but that's okay. You'll get it. Here's where I'm at, because here's where I used to be that daddy. That used to be me. I used to be the gutless, stinking coward who allowed my wife to lead spiritually because I was a man. I wasn't fixing to go down there with all that stuff. I wasn't fixing to, here we go, let me plug one in for the Sunday night. I wasn't fixing to go down on Sunday afternoon, wrap up presents. That's a woman's thing. It's a woman's part. I'm going hunting. I'm going fishing. I'm going to work. That's what real men do. Real men stand near to the cross. That's what real men do. And here's the thing, you know. John was there, say, and, and I always looked and thought, well, I understand why his mom was there. She's his mom, you know, and Amy and all that stuff. I thought John had the opportunity to cut loose. He didn't have to identify. So why was he there? And you'll notice it said, because, all right, you men, tune back in. Because John said, he, he always said, the disciple whom the Lord loved. He didn't say the disciple who loved the Lord. He said, I was the disciple whom the Lord loved. Why was John there? He understood why Jesus was there. He understood there, but he was there because the Lord loved him. John was there because his friend was there. He didn't just see him as a master or a distant Lord. He was like, he's my friend. And so he was there. He would rather face death than deny the Lord. It didn't matter where the rest were or what they were doing. He was there for the one who was there for him. Listen to me. Every church has a remnant. If you're not a part of it, be a part. It's the people who carry most of the backbone of the church. It's the people who are willing to do anything at any time, and they're not there for the recognition or for anything else. They're there because the same reason John was there. You know, sometimes as, as, the, as the people, some, t- some churches call it the core. Sometimes as the core, you get weary and you get tired and you look around and go, why in the world am I doing this when nobody else cares? Why am I, am I doing this when there's only four people here or five people here? <clears throat> or, when we like, or when we say, you know, what do we want to do as a church and it's silent? Because there ain't nobody there. Sometimes you get to a point, I've got to the point where I'm like, man, be honest with you, I prayed this week, I'm like, Lord, you warned me and my wife. I ain't asking nobody to feel sorry for us, so don't feel sorry for us. You want me and my wife, you want Willie and his wife to, 
to totally live in a different way, not as a Christian, but just as in ministry, when it seems like a lot of people, a majority of people, couldn't care less. How effective are we being when I look at Facebook and see some of the stuff that people in this church post and I go, wow, you serious? We're loving Jesus and posting this? When you're constantly talking to people going, I wouldn't wouldn't do that, I wouldn't wouldn't do that. Oh, we're going to do it. Okay, we're here to clean up the mess. And you you start to wonder and go, is this really worth it? Is this really worth it? Because I got a lot of other things I could do. That I would enjoy. And I wouldn't have to listen to a whole lot of stuff that I would never listen to. And so you come to the place to go, Lord. Y'all ever come to that place? Lord. And you Sunday school teachers. It's not just the preachers. You got Sunday school teachers. You got people who work with youth. You got people who give up hours and hours and hours and hours every week to teach a message or to teach a lesson with nobody there sitting and listening. Or if they are, they aren't doing anything with it. You know, you come to the place, and when you come to that place, you got to look and go, it didn't matter to John what the rest were doing. He wasn't looking around going, where's Peter? Well, you know, I'm out here at the cross. You know, where's, where's Peter at? Where's the other nine? Where are they at? He's like, I don't care where they're at. I'm here for the one who's on the cross for me. That's why I'm here. That's why I do what I do. And listen to me. Please, don't show up tonight because you feel bad. Well, Brother Randall made me feel bad this morning. I feel guilty, so I guess I ought to go do this. Stay at home. Stay at home, please. I don't even want you here if you're going to be here. And this ain't about Sunday night. I'll just put that plug in there for the heck of it. If you get hurt over it, get hurt. Here's what I'm saying. You go, we're going to go, we're going to go get involved with something silly tonight. We're going to get involved with a church Christmas program. We're going to help. Your wife looks at you like you're weird. Like, who possessed you? Why in the world would I thought you were going to, no, no, no. Because this morning, God revealed his great love for me. The love I'm not worthy of. That I've been parking my backside at the church for way too long. And I haven't been loving the Lord like I should. And if God loves me enough to die for my sins. So that I can have life. And I can have the life that he's given me here. The least I can do is wrap a package for him. He's not asking you to go to Africa. This is going to be a great message ending. All right, let's finish up with this. Say so you got Peter, you got Judas, and you got John. Say, so who's the fourth man? He's the man on the cross. See, because it was not only for the women and John. Think about this. It wasn't just the women and John that he was there for. He was there for Peter. He was there for the other nine. He was there for Judas. He was there for me. You know, when I saw that right there, I thought, God, you love me so much. When I look at this, no matter how hard I am on myself, how sorry I am, how wicked my heart is, when I look at this, I go, God, but you still love me, and I just can't understand that, but I want that so bad. That's what causes me to go, I just got to pursue him, because that's something I desire so much in my life, just to walk in that. And I say this, I don't care who you are, what you're doing, or how many times you've been to church on a Sunday night. Maybe you're sitting here and you're wicked as Judas in your own eyes. Understand this message right here. It's not because I said it, it's because he said it. He loves you. Notice what he said to John. He's like, hey, your mama. Take your mama. Like, what? That's not his mama. Oh, yeah, Jesus said, I'm, we're family. You're my son. You're my brother. 
take your mama. Now you think about this. Man who went to a cross, and you know the story, didn't have to go. He had to decide whether he was how he was going to relate to the cross. Here's what's the most amazing thing. He decided before you were ever born. I'm finishing in two minutes. Stay with me. He decided before we were ever born. Settled in his heart. The Bible said before the foundation of the earth. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit got together and said, this is what's going to happen. And this is what's going to have to be done. Jesus, you willing to do that? He's like, I am. Oh, yeah, I am. For the joy set before me, I will go. I'll, I'll assume my cross. I'll die for the wicked people. I'll die for every sinner. I'll die for every wretched Randall Reeves in the world. I want above all, I want above all there to be no question of my love for sinners. So that when they're sons and daughters, they have no question. And he took up his cross and he went there and he died for the sins of the world. So you have to decide which one of these men describe you most. And how you relate to the cross of Jesus Christ. Because here's where I'm at. Maybe you're here and you're a Judas today. Playing church. Playing church. Can't wait to get out. Hope he shuts up soon. I'm good to go. I did that. You're going to go to hell. I want to be real clear and blunt this morning. If you're a church player, this message has no impact on you other than you want to hurry up and get home, watch a football game, you're going to die and end up in hell with Judas. That's the blunt truth. Oh, don't tell me because my mom, I don't care what your mama said. I don't care what prayer you prayed. Has your heart been radically transformed by the love of Jesus? Maybe you're here, and I think this probably hits the most of us. Maybe you're just like Peter. Said, man, I've been walking with the world. I make all the excuses. I fit in with one. I fit in with the others. I really have a hard time. I've never shared the gospel with anybody. I don't talk about Jesus. I don't talk about the Bible. I won't pray in public. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so this and I'm so that. And you can come up with all these excuses just like I do. But it boils down to how you look and how you feel. And that's why the Lord said, if you're going to follow me, you got to deny yourself. Take up your cross. Take up your cross. And follow me. Or maybe you're the John. I hope. Here's the awesome hope. No matter where you are, you can be like John. Because God loves us all the same. So when the Lord draws that line in the sand, what you going to do with that? My hope is that you'd understand why Jesus was there and that you would move closer to the cross. You know, I came to a place this morning. Honestly, I'll be honest with you. I was ready to resign this, yesterday. Talked to David about it. I said, I'm just, I think I'm about done. David said, you're crazy. Uh, and here's the thing. It don't matter what anybody says here. I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do. And I wrestled with that and wrestled with that this week and all this junk. And I finally woke up this morning. I walked in there. I read that right there. And the Lord said, now who are you here for? Why did you ever start this? And I said, because at one point in time, Lord, I was close to the cross. And somehow I've allowed myself to drift. God's like, I'm still here. I love you. And this morning I went, you know what? I'm going to move back close. I'm going to stick around for a minute. But I want you, not about me, I want you to see how much Jesus loves you. 
Man, if I had anything I could convince you of today, Jesus loves you so much. Why in the world do you want to be over there? Why do you want to be kindling a fire with a bunch of people who hate the Lord? Unless you're over there telling them to look, you know, and you know that. Quit playing church. Start loving Jesus. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? It's your opportunity, however you want to respond. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I love you, and I thank you so much for mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you pursue us. No matter how far we go, Lord, just think about your word. Your word says once you rose. Lord, that you called the twelve and Peter. You made it a point to let Peter know you hadn't forsaken him. You hadn't given up on him. Lord, your heart was to restore and your heart's always to renew and to restore. God, your heart's to save. And I pray, Lord, that people would look and see where they're at with the cross today. If it's in the distance, it's not even in sight. But God, we'd be a people who draw near. Unashamed of the gospel. God, a people who our fire is kindled by your spirit when we draw close to you, not by the world. God, I just pray, Lord, that your love would penetrate people's hearts and minds today. You'd open up their eyes to see how much you love them, no matter what. No matter what. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.